if you don't mind a tingling spine or a lump in your throat, if you kind of get a thrill feeling the hair stand up on the back of your neck, or you just can't get enough of the eerie, turn down the lights, snuggle up with a blanket, and keep your feet tucked up safe because we've got a story for you. It happened to a friend of a friend. All right, hello. Hi. How are you? It's been a hot minute. It's been a long time. I know. Welcome back, people. Yeah, I'm sorry we took a hiatus. Sometimes life just uh, gets real busy. Yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of weekends that I had stuff, and then there was weekends that you had stuff. And And now we're recording on a Tuesday. I know. Random day. Who would have thought? But we're still having some alcohol. Um, <laughs> I like that you keep trying to readjust. I know. I feel like it needs to be right underneath me. Okay. Um, you can always have alcohol on Tuesday. You should drink in the middle of the week. Maybe. I just feel like my lines aren't big on the thingy, my Bob. We go through this every week. I know. Okay. It'll be fine. Okay. I'm sure it'll be fine. I saved a story for you for the podcast. <laughs> What do you mean you saved it? We, well, we just had a bunch of banter and I kind of forgot about it, but I also wanted to save it for you. Okay. It, it's related to you. It was because I was going to see you today. Okay. I had a dream about Paul Rudd. Uh- <laughs> and it was basically just that like we lived in kind of a different-ish neighborhood uh-huh. and he was randomly in town or something and he was visiting a neighbor that was like a few doors over, but then they had a party. So all the neighbors went over there. And it was so funny because I told Mike, I was like, I had a dream about Paul Rudd last night, probably because I'm going to go see Sarah and she loves him. I love that. And he's like, oh, was it like a hottie, hot, sexy dream? And I was like, no, because the highlight of for me is not sexy (laughs) dreams. It's just that like I told I was like telling jokes and he thought I was funny. And I was like, I was there like that'd be amazing. Sex has nothing on somebody thinking I'm funny. No, (laughs) I was like, that is way better. (laughs) No. And that was it. I had just like it. It was because I was coming to see you, I know, that I had a dream. And it was just like a really pleasant dream where I just randomly met him at this party. And that was it. And I woke up. I like it. I was like so surprisingly nice. I like that dream. That's that's nice. Yeah. I don't have any stories. I feel like, I always feel like I haven't really done anything. I went through my Instagram. I already went through my Instagram and showed you. But. I went to a drag brunch again. You know, yeah. That was fun. You do it a lot. I do do it a lot. It's just fun and. Whatever. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I work, so I can't go to those things. Well, I would I would go with you. I know. We do lots of things together. I would do all the things with you, but you just have a busy life. Yeah. You have a busy schedule, and you do things with your family, and I don't really do things with my family. <laughs> <laughs> my, my littles are littles, though. You did things when your kids were little. Mm, not really. <laughs> we went to Canada's Wonderland again. Yes, you showed me a picture. We went to like a market over Thanksgiving. That's fun. My one day off. I created a sewing nook. Yeah. I showed it to you. Super cool. I I like it. I can create down there. My house is big. It's a big space. Well, it's half of the basement. Correct. So, but it was unused space. So, it's not a nook because it's a whole, some people's offices. It's just, it was unused space. The boys don't play with toys anymore because that's what that space used to be. It was like their little play yeah. area and they don't play anymore. So it wasn't being used for anything. So I yeah. said, screw this. I'm taking it over. That's fair. And then the space is like better now. Yeah. 
I can work in there. And then um, you also don't like to come down the kitchen and have your creepy statue over here in the corner. Yes, I don't have my, my dress form mannequin. <laughs> and everything can just be out. I don't have to like drag it out of shelves and set it up and then take it all down. I can just stay out. Yeah. Do you eat at your table a lot? Do you eat your full meals at your table? Yeah. Your whole family? Dinners, yes. Okay. Yep. Unless it's like pizza or something silly, then sometimes we just picnic on the living yeah. room floor. Yeah, we don't do that, like, dinner at the table thing. But my kids are little. They eat at, like, their little kid table still. Yeah. No, we always have dinner at the table. That's nice. Not that, not because it's, like, an important thing. Just my kids are messy, and I don't want them eating anywhere else. And we all eat at the same time anyways. So. Yeah. We'll probably do that when the kids are older, because right now they're just at their little table. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Do it. I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. And this is... It happened to a friend of a friend. Who wants to be a millionaire. Nope. You can't do it after I do the thing. I can do whatever I want. Do you write trigger warning on yours? Yeah. I have a bit of a trigger warning. Okay. I don't know. Like, I we never write them, but I was writing mine. And I'm like, maybe I should write trigger warning. I don't okay. really know. I don't really know because I was, I was like watching... I was looking at the lore reviews for no reason. I don't know why. Because I just sometimes like to see what people say and... One person was like, you need to put a trigger warning. The other person was like, why would you put a trigger warning? This is a show about creepy stuff. Well, so it's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. This is like a true crimey, weirdy, creepy podcast. Yeah. So I figure everything is just a trigger warning. And we, But we really can't also afford to lose our any of our five listeners. Some of our things have, I, one of our last ones had 20 plays. Yeah. That's a lot of plays, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love that. Because it's also people, I don't know who they are. Yeah. Because you can sometimes tell when, because I think the one time we had more than that, we had, we had a bunch of while back when we first started. Well, Nexium was it, a big one, right? Nexium was a big one. Jeremy Deli was a big one. Really? Yep. Oh. It just depends on the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Let's go. So my sources were innocencecanada.com, torontosun.com, globalnews.ca, Kidnapping, Murder, and Mayhem.blogspot, TorontoLife.com, TheCanadianEncyclopedia.ca. This is a Canadian story. Is it? <laughs> and yes, I have a trigger warning for child sexual assault and murder. Oh, yuck. Okay. Yeah, you should put a trigger warning for kid stuff. Yes, okay. All right. I couldn't come up with a way, with a witty or thoughtful intro for this case, so I'm just going to jump in. My brain just doesn't want to be creative. Go right for now. it. Okay. Christine Jessup was your typical nine-year-old. She lived with her parents and brother in Queensville, Ontario, a town north of Toronto, kind of past Newmarket. It's a quiet town, small, the kind of place many of these stories take place in. She liked riding her bike, playing baseball, and playing with her dog, a beagle named Freckles. I thought it said Freddy, but it says Freckles. Aw, that's a cute name. October 3rd, 1984 was a regular day for Christine. She was at school during the day and had plans to go to a friend's place after school. When Christine's mother and brother, Ken, came home at 4.15, they saw her backpack, but Christine was nowhere to be found. Janet, Christine's mother, called her daughter's friends to see if she was there, but no one had seen the young girl. With this information, Janet became increasingly worried, as any parent would. After a frantic search of a nearby park and other areas the neighborhood children frequented, worry turned to panic and Janet called the police to report her daughter missing. The next day, a massive search was conducted by what seemed like the entire town. There was no trace of Christine. Her mother was beside herself with panic, and she assured police there was no reason her daughter would have run away. 
For almost three months, the Jessops waited and worried about their daughter and sister. It wasn't until December 31st, 1984, Christine's partially decomposed body was found in a field in Sunderland, Ontario, Aww. about 56 kilometers away from her home. Authorities reported the girl had been sexually assaulted and stabbed multiple times. While this was a heartbreaking discovery for the family, they at least now knew for sure Christine was gone. The young girl was buried in the cemetery beside her home on January 7, 1985. I wasn't even born yet. I was. I just, sorry. <laughs> on the same day Christine went missing, the Jessup's neighbor, Guy Paul Morin, was at work at a local furniture store. He clocked out just after 3.30, ran a few errands, and then returned home with groceries. He didn't know the Jessup family well. He played clarinet and saxophone and was a beekeeper and helped with renovations on his family's home. At first, Morin was not considered a suspect, but as detectives learned more about the family, their opinions changed. Mm. Now, the Morin family weren't criminals or anything, but they were known in the community as being reclusive, combative, and their home was littered with junk and various work materials. So, you know, your typical small town speculations started. Okay. Morin himself drew suspicion when he did not join in the search, nor did he attend the funeral of the young girl. When the police asked Janet Jessup, Christine's mother, she described him as a weird type guy. So take note, don't be weird. Police interviewed Morin, but he didn't say anything that could have been seen as a confession. To be fair, we now know if he was a pillar of the community, that's who we should be looking that's at. That's who we should Just be looking saying. at. Just <laughs> saying. Yes. Police interviewed Morin, but he didn't say anything that could be seen as a confession or that he had any connection to the crime. Never mind his time card from the day showed his punch-out time would have made it difficult to get back to his home in time to commit the murder um, in the time frame that was constructed by the police. Armed with a hair fiber that supposedly matched one found on Christine's necklace and another fiber from Morin's car that also allegedly matched Christine's, police arrested Morin. So basically they arrested him on like this random hair fiber that maybe matched okay. Christine's or whatever. You're alluding to some stuff because you're saying alleged, alleged, alleged. Alleged, allegedly. Usually you'd be like, there was a hair fiber and that car allegedly. fiber. Okay, sorry. In January 1986, Morin went to trial for the murder of Christine Jessup. During the trial, the jury heard from... From the, the jury heard from the cellmate informant, from a cellmate informant, who said that Morin talked about <clears throat> he would want to red rum the innocent. Red rum backwards is murder. Yeah. Um, and discussed the, and the informant also said that Morin discussed the crime in a way that came off as a confession. Morin's lawyers brought up the discrepancy of the time he punched out of work and when the time of the and when the crime took place also the fibers didn't really prove anything on february 7th 1986 a month after the trial started morn was acquitted this was not the end for guy paul morn though on march on march 4th 1986 the attorney general began an appeal of the acquittal the claim was that the judge wasn't clear enough with the jury regarding the meaning of reasonable doubt so a new trial was ordered on November okay. 17th, 1988. I'm sorry, but like how many things do you see like the Innocence Project and stuff where people claim they're innocent and can't get another trial, but then they're just like, oh, you know, 
we didn't do it good enough. We want to do it again. <laughs> and they get to. Like, that's crazy. Sorry. Yeah. And I guess Canada doesn't have, like, that double jeopardy thing that's in the States so that if you get charged for murder or whatever in the States and you get acquitted, yeah, you can't, you can't be tried be for it yeah. again. I guess we don't have that here. I mean, I kind of agree with. I'm just saying yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, why, yeah. like, he Interesting. Could, Double yeah. Jeopardy was a great movie, not a throwback. <laughs> so the second trial began May 28, 1990. At this trial, much of the same evidence was presented. However, there was new evidence from witnesses who did not testify at the first trial, but had all of a sudden remembered Morin's behavior after the girl disappeared, mostly that he was behaving in a very uncaring way. The defense argued the integrity of the original investigation of the crime scene. Morin's lawyer tried to allege that police simply built a case around a man who was simply eccentric. So, remember, he was first arrested, what was it, 86? Yeah. The second trial didn't begin until 1990. So it's okay. been a few years. And, yeah. like, these new witnesses are coming forward saying, oh, but I think he was behaving this way. So it's, like, all this yeah, questionable stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Um, it seemed there was no real strong evidence against Morin, just a lot of hearsay and people remembering things from several years prior. However, on June 30th, 1992, Guy Paul Morin was found guilty. What? Fortunately, there were still people who believed in Morin's innocence. After the second trial, a support group called the Justice for Guy Paul Morin Committee was formed with the hope to help with his exoneration. With the help of the group, Morin was granted bail in 1993. Next, the group sought to help Morin appeal his conviction. The group, along with Morin, planned to demonstrate that the hair fibers and the jail informant confessions were unreliable. While this was, while this was all happening, DNA testing was becoming more advanced. This meant the semen found on Christine's underpants could be tested for DNA against Morin's. When the results came back, they showed that Morin was not guilty. Ooh. The DNA was not a match. On January 23rd, 1995, the Ontario Court of Appeal entered an acquittal for Morin's conviction. He received an apology from the Attorney General, and the Ontario government awarded him $1.25 million in compensation. So, what went wrong with his investigation? In June of 1996, a public inquiry was conducted to answer this very question, and would last approximately 10 months. Basically, the police had tunnel vision. They, they became fixated on Morin as a suspect and made information and evidence fit the narrative they wanted to tell. At first, Janet Jessup, remember Christine's mm -hmm. mother, told police she returned home with her son at 4.10 p.m. Originally, this did not... This this time did not allow, would not have allowed for Morin to get home, abduct Christine, and, like, take her away. Like, because they would have arrived home. Like, the, the time logistics for, for where things Yeah, were. it yeah, just yeah. didn't work. The arrival time of Jessup was later extended to 4.30. So police just kept saying, are you sure it was 4.10? Are you sure? You sure it wasn't later? You sure? Apparently, there were also cigarette butts found near Christine's body, and Morin was not a smoker. This evidence was not reported in the case and was ignored. The fibers and hairs that were key pieces of evidence were also unreliable. While Guy himself did not help with the search, his father helped and was even in the Jessup's car. His parents paid their condolences to the Jessup home after the burial, and Guy himself had been in the Jessup home to fix the furnace. Apparently the two families even used the same laundromat. These are all instances where traces of fibers and hair 
could transfer back and forth. Even the testing of the hairs and fibers was flawed. The lab apparently had contamination problems. Um, the techs did not always wear lab coats, so other fibers could have found their way onto the microscope. The testimony of the jail informants was also flawed because they were promised leniency for their testimonies. Of course. After all that he went through, Morin did, however, rebuild his life. In 1995, he married and now has two children. He is a private contractor and still loves music. Breaking news. In 2020, using... Oh. Um, genetic genealogy, the real killer of Christine <gasps> Jessup was identified as Calvin Hoover. Oh. Hoover worked with Christine's father, and his wife at the time, Heather, became friends with Christine's mother. The families would get together, and their children also played together. Ew. Hoover was never considered a suspect, and therefore was never questioned. Because he was a pillar of the community. Just kidding. Well, he I just, don't I don't, think, I don't think they even lived in the same town. It, it sounded like they didn't really live near each other, but the the... Two men worked together. Yeah. Um, eventually, however, eventually Hoover and his wife divorced. He remarried a woman from Welland, local, Ew. and moved to Waterdown. Hoover's second wife passed away in 2009, and he then moved to Port Hope. In 2015, Hoover's son found his father in the garage. He had hung himself. There is speculation that yeah. Hoover thought that police were starting to catch up with him. Okay. And that's why he killed himself. Um, so the theory is that this Hoover guy obviously became obsessed with Christine, as creepy people do. Yeah. Um, and Gross. what I, what he I had didn't... a do he had kids. Yes, he had kids. Um, okay. Like so... at the time, I mean, like because you said his son, I get that, but just yeah. Okay. So I guess one of the theories is so Christine's father was in jail at the time for some like financial crime or whatever, not like murder okay. or whatever. So I guess he was in jail. And I guess one of the things that Christine's mother and brother were doing that day was going to visit the father in jail. Oh. But they didn't want to bring Christine because they didn't think it was a place for little kids. Yeah. So the theory is that Christine's mother was telling Hoover's first wife that this is what was happening. He yeah. saw the opportunity. Yeah. Because Christine knew him, she was like, yeah, I'll get in the car with you. Of course, yeah. There's the thought that maybe he was told her, I'll take you to see your dad. And then yeah. he took her to this field and assaulted her. Yuck. Yeah. So that is the horrible murder of Christine Jessup and the wrongful conviction of Guy Paul Morin. Ugh. And actually, um, I think it's Innocence Canada is the group, is the website, the group that was founded based on that... Guy Paul Morin group. Okay. Like it kind of merged and stuff like that. Did you do the Wheat Kings one? I did, yes. Yeah. That one. Um, because that family came out in support of Morin as well. Oh, okay. Yep. Wow. Because of the same kind of wrongful conviction yeah. thing. But yes, I did the Wheat And that's one. the thing too, like I get where they get narrowed in on things, but like I would want to know, I would want to make sure it's the right person. Right. You know what I mean? Most people would. I was thinking about that on the way here. Like, if I was murdered, I wouldn't want, like, and something, like, happened with my body wasn't great or whatever, I would want my family to know, like, don't worry, like, that was just a flash moment in my life. Mm -hmm. But, like, whoever did something to me, like, I'm going to come for your descendants. 
I'm going to haunt you. <laughs> you're going to haunt everybody. I'm going to make sure you're the unluckiest motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, my ghost ire is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that one before. I've I've actually listened to a few podcasts lately oh, about okay. it. So that's why I kind of... What you looking at over there? Just This, this looks like that... work. No, it's something that someone posted... Um, but I'm going to look at my throwback now, so go ahead, as okay. I usually do. No, you need to listen to my stories good. And okay. this story made my jaw drop for a reason you will find out at the like, end. Like, literally, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Okay. 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 Go. We are talking about Loftus Hall, which is an old-timey mansion on Hook Peninsula in Ireland. Ooh, Ireland. So the um, original hall was Top built- of the morning to ya. Top, no. of, top of the top of the morning. Um, I can't. I, I, I can't. have both Irish and Scottish background, and like I was telling you earlier, my my mom is of Newfoundland descent. I pair Newfies don't like to be called Newfies, but no Newfie I know is offended, so I won't say that. <laughs> um, but uh, so my husband always makes fun of us, and he's like, he always like goes who to talk to, like makes fun of like our <laughs> <laughs> the weird accents of my descendants. Um, anyway, so the original hall was built in 1350. Ooh. By the I like oldie time things. Okay, good. Yay. Okay. Maybe we should go here when it's open. It's, I, I will also talk about that at the end. Okay. Open for one minute. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so originally from the Redmond family, there's like a lot of history there that I'm not going to talk about. Um, and it stood through the plague or black death, Ooh. as we like to call it. Um, it was known as Redmond Hall until around the 1650s, and that was when the land was then given to, like, farmers. Um, and that is where the Loftus family took over, and um, that's where it has its current name, Loftus Hall. Um, so the Lo- Loftus family married into the Tottenham family. I don't know why I even have this info, info here. Um, and so this is their story. In 1776, 17, a ship appeared out of the darkness during a dark and stormy night. It's like a real story. It is. <laughs> One single occupant showed up at Loftus Hall seeking sanctuary. He was handsome and charming. Ooh. Also, like, I have my fancy writing for these you notes. You do. You went all in with this story. Um, the Loftus family were entertaining guests, and everyone was very taken with the stranger and offered him lodging for as long as he needed. And I guess the storm was going to play out for a while. Like, this was a long-term storm. Mm-hmm. The family's youngest daughter, Anne, was particularly besotted with him, and it is said that they began a tryst, an affair a dalliance, if you will. Ooh. Yeah, I got real wordy. You got real wordy with this. I was drunk. No, I'm just kidding. I was not. <laughs> One night, the party, what the party, like, you know, the group of people, not the party. Right. Was enjoying an evening of cards. And Anne dropped a card, which is common lore. Um, it was also that said that a ring slipped off her finger. So there's both of those variations of the story. When she went to retrieve it from under the table, she saw that the man she had so fallen in love with wasn't ordinary, but instead of feet, he had cloven hooves. Ooh. You do a lot of stories with things with cloven hooves. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Turns out... (laughs) 
She caught the I just, devil. I just like the, yeah. 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 It's true. <laughs> true story. Yeah. So did I tell this? What other story have I told with Cloven Hooves? I have I told I my just, story? Okay, listen. I just feel, no, like, I just feel like there's been other stories with Cloven Hooves. There's lots. This is like a regular lore, but okay. I didn't know about this before. They had caught the devil, and being caught, he burst into flames and burst through the ceiling and disappeared. Ooh. Page turn. For Anne, the damage was irreparable. She descended into madness. Oh, my God. <laughs> storytelling. She would hiss and screech and acted like a feral animal. So they ended up locking her up in her room where she existed in madness for about 10 years. And she eventually died in 1775. Um, they said she was starved wait, wait. and emaciated. Didn't you say this was 1766. Yes. 1766. Yes. 1766. So, okay. So the first date is 1766. Okay. Sorry. Who cares about the date? This is... We're going back into... This happened to a friend of a friend. Who cares? That's when poltergeist phenomena started happening. Guests started reporting also
Okay. Now, after the loss, Loftus family died off. Uh, it was turned into a convent for a little bit. Had a little bit of a, a bit of a different history. And in 1983, Michael Devro um, turned it into a hotel. So it was called the Loftus Hall Hotel. And um, when he died, his wife ran the hotel until she randomly ran off and disappeared in the night. Just randomly? Yep. Oh. Yep. Okay. Never heard of again. Her skeleton's probably in there too somewhere. In 2011, the Quigley family um, owned it, but it was sold in 20... It was sold, and in 2021, it has a new owner and is under renovation. However, it is open Sundays from 12 o'clock to 12.01 a.m. Because when I Googled it, it was closed every day except for Sunday from 12 to 12.01 a.m., <laughs> which is disturbing. Um, so there's more to this. So there's also the Hellfire Club, which has the devil playing cards um, with the Hellfire gang. Um, not to be confused with the Hellfire of Stranger Things. I was Hellfire just going to say, things. isn't very that different. I, I was just waiting for the break. And I was going to say, isn't that Stranger Things? Maybe I'll tell you another one. But okay. I don't think I've told this on this podcast, but my family story, my jaw dropped when I heard this story because we have a family story. Mm-hmm. And it's that my grandfather, who was a terrible drunk. You have told this story. And gambler. I have? Yes. Okay, tell me the story. Well, he, like... Saw a guy with cloven hooves. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. You told I think last Halloween. I think it was because I did the one with the story with the with the carriage, right? Maybe. Yeah. So then this one made my jaw drop because it's a family story that the devil oh played God. cards with my grandpa. Oh my with Pappy. God. He's not my grandpa. I never knew him, and he was horrible. He actually <laughs> tried to kill my grandmother, and he missed and stabbed her in the foot. So they built him a little shed that he had to live in. That sad and. <laughs> Weird. Now he plays cards with the devil all the time. Oh I don't God. know. That's terrible to say. Crazy. <laughs> I don't know him, but. And that is some devil, devilly story for Happy Halloween. Ooh. Hopefully end. we get to record again before Halloween. Yeah, I think I can probably pull something together. Okay. As long as I know. All right. So what's, what's your throwback? Okay, so my throwback is this. Okay, I just found it. It's this super random show that I remember watching. It's called Zoobly Zoo. It's like these people. Okay, they look familiar to me though. It's these people and they're like dressed up as animals or something. It's kind of creepy looking. What is wrong with TV of our time? (laughs) It's called Zoobly Zoo. And I can kind of remember the theme song. I I don't even know, but it's, it's in like the back of my mind. This one looks like you. That one? Yeah. I think I was Sarah! like that one. The pink one. That's you. It looks exactly <laughs> like you. She even has your smile. Nobody's going to know what this is, Sarah. People it's might. disturbing. People might. Zoobly Zoo. Google it. No. And you might be like, oh my God. Was it just Canadian? I don't think Everywhere. it's Canadian. They kind of look familiar. I definitely never watched anything like this. You might have. No, I have not, for sure. Okay. Well, that's my throwback, Zoobly oh, Zoo. Okay. What's yours? Um, mine is, I went down a rabbit hole the other day, and I'm very angry about it. Mine is the Berenstein Bears. Okay. Haven't we done Berenstein Bears? Have we? No, we have not. Have we? Haven't we? No, because I would have got all fired up and talked about the stupid Mandela effect. Oh, with how the spelling of the name is? Yeah. 
Do you not relate? I don't think about it, but I know what you're talking about. Because I know that it was Baron's T-E-I-N. I know it was because I remember I was learning to read when I was a child. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know if it was Stain or Stein. Like Frankenstein. <laughs> you're very fired up about this. Because this isn't real. They changed the name for the simulation and I'm mad about it. <laughs> Next simulation, you better change the name back, Sim Creator. Yeah. I'm so mad. You are very Bernstein Bears. I asked my mom today up. because I told it because it was my throwback. So I asked her about it and she was like, no, it's S-T-E-I-N. And I was like, I know. It's a collective memory. Everybody remembers it this way. <laughs> but look at Google. I mean, I have all of my books upstairs. Oh, we're going to go look. Okay. It doesn't matter because it's wrong. It just changed for this this universe or something. It's They're from the 80s. Do you remember it, though, being S-T-E-I-N? I honestly don't remember paying that much attention. I just remember people are, don't know what to call it Stein or Steen. And if it's E-A-N, it's definitely Steen. I don't remember really looking at it. Oh, my so. God. I can't. I'm so mad at you right now. I will get my What's OG your books? Mandela effect? Do you know your Mandela? Like, what's one that you know was um, one way but not? Like I don't know. I stones without a T. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I know that there are ones. I just can't think of them. Oh, that's my big one where okay, I'm, let me, positive. I'm positive. I'm going to look up Mandela effects right now because I know that there are ones. Um, I mean, we've talked – have we talked about this on our podcast before? It's basically like people thought Nelson Mandela died in prison, but he didn't. And people, like, swear they remember watching his funeral on the news – George's tale. Yeah. Sex and the City. Threes. Oscar Mayer. Like, you know when you go through the lists, for sure, there's ones you have. Yeah. 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 I the don't know. The Monopoly Monocle guy. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But if the Monopoly guy didn't have a monocle... How come Jim Carrey used a, did he use the monocle in Ace Ventura? I don't know. Anyways, okay. Berenstein Bears, guys. Boo! <laughs> zoo. No one is going to know what that People is. People are going to know. They're going to know. They're not going to know. They're going to know. They're not going to know. How are they going to know? Gonna know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not superstitious. But we're a little stitious. This comes out the day before Friday the 13th. Yay! Happy... Lucky day. Have a lucky day. If you're Taylor Swift, it's a lucky day for you. Why? Because Taylor Swift thinks 13 is a lucky number. Oh, so does my mom. Yeah. It's like a lucky number for our family, too. You go, T-Swift. Boo! Okay, bye. Bye.